I'm Mark. And I'm Rich. This is Climactic, and we're here because... Houston, we have a problem. There are dire warnings that New South Wales will be hit by increasingly extreme weather. 2015 was the hottest year since climate records began. Your show this July was the single hottest month in recorded history. Australia sweltered through its hottest spring on record. Climate change is now affecting every country on every continent. It's the rate that's a great concern. And what do you put that rate down to? Oh, it's human activity. We have everything we need. Some still doubt that we have the will to act. But I say... The will to act is itself a renewable resource. Hello and welcome to Climactic, a show unapologetically about climate change. I'm Mark Spencer, a city dweller in marvellous Melbourne and one of your hosts. And I'm Rich Bowden. I live in the central west of New South Wales, in a rural town surrounded by farmland. We're doing this show to cover a few things that are important to all of us. How we can live our best, most meaningful lives in the face of climate change, but also how we as regular folk can make a difference to our world. Couldn't have said it better myself, Rich. So Mark, why a podcast? Well, Rich, podcasts have been my favorite medium since I was 13. It's the way I've learned about the world, gotten most of my information. So when I wanted to become more sustainable and take more responsibility for my own footprint, I went looking for a show to help me do that. And what I found was there wasn't something consistent for Australia that was giving me the kind of motivation and inspiration and useful information that I needed to do that. So I put out a call on an Australian podcasters group asking, does anyone know of a show like this? Is there anything on the radar? And a lot of people, yourself included, said, uh, no, I don't know of one, but there should be. And mm. you, Rich, took the extra step and you said, uh, well, I'll put my hand up and I'd love to be involved. So I said, uh, well, Rich, you're my co-host now. <laughs> and uh, look, it's funny because I was thinking about doing something similar uh, and it hadn't gelled. Uh, for about six months, so it was uh, it was very good. Thank you very much, Mark, for allowing me to be part of the team. It's uh, it's a real pleasure. It's a great concept, and I've found that people that I've spoken to about it are very supportive. Uh, they're saying that a great idea uh, is exactly what we need. And also on a personal level, I've learned a lot just in the few months that we've started. Um, mostly things like how important it is for us to raise our voices, to make our voices heard on climate change. Well, I'm sorry for stealing your idea, Rich. I'm really, really happy to have you (laughs) on board. Just a quick note about why we are doing a podcast. It's because I think Rich and I both believe that podcasting is a really powerful medium for sharing information and, and for telling stories as well. And I think we all know that right now where things are with climate change, we need both the information and the storytelling. Mm, Um, that's really overdue for massive changes to society in the face of climate change and before that can happen we need mass public action we need to tell our politicians and business leaders we want more done on climate change but before the mass public action happens rich we need a lot more public information out there that's high quality and and actionable and understandable mr president one of the greatest challenges we face is climate change and the threat it poses to the environment. In December last year, after many years delay, Australia ratified the Kyoto Protocol. We're determined to be part of the solution to climate change, not just a part of the problem. 
We have acted to begin the process of developing a comprehensive emissions trading or carbon pollution reduction scheme to bring down CO2 emissions over time. We will also implement a national energy efficiency strategy as well as a renewable energy strategy. Developing and deploying new technologies will also be part of our response to climate change. The Australian Government has decided to establish a global centre to drive the demonstration and commercialisation of carbon capture and storage technologies. This project, building on existing national and regional initiatives, will bring together the best researchers in the world to develop the best technology to apply. As the world at present is planning to generate 45% of its electricity from coal in 2030, we can no longer afford to delay to act on this technology. Delegates, Australia invites all governments and all corporations of goodwill to participate in this Global Carbon Capture and Storage Institute. Now you'll recognise that voice, won't you, Mark? I sure do. Don't, don't let the American accent fool your edge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is Kevin Rudd, former Prime Minister of Australia. And um, what was that like having a national leader sort of so willing to confront the realities of climate change, Rich, you know, for a change? Yeah, it was different. It was different, definitely different time. Australia thought they had finally got a government then that was willing to do the hard yards against climate change. We had signed the Kyoto Protocol. And as you can hear from the speech, there was movement on everything from renewables to a carbon tax. Jeez. So, uh, how did that go? Doesn't end well, I'm afraid. Rudd's Labour's progressive instincts was to be undone by a nasty fear campaign run by fossil fuel lobbyists through the opposition. The government was unwilling to risk the ire of fossil fuel industry and voters and basically caved in. Uh, sounds like we'll have to revisit that time here a bit on the show, Rich, just to, to understand what the warning signs were leading up to that kind of backtrack. Um, because if we get to that point again, we've got lots of momentum behind yeah. the climate change movement. We want to look out for those things and, and really avoid that happening again. Exactly, exactly. It did feel like we were getting some momentum then, Mark. So I think it's good, if a little bit painful, to mm. revisit that time. So like you said, to learn from the past failures. Okay, we've introduced ourselves and we've set the scene, but we wanted to let you know what you'll be expecting from the show. Because it's not going to be political history every week, is it, Rich? No, well, I know you'll be looking at the urban aspects of climate change and sustainability, Mark. Yeah, that's right. I'll be learning about our cities and how to live in them sustainably, and very occasionally, maybe a bit of politics, if Rich lets me. <laughs> and I know you're at the start of your own sustainability journey, and we'll be telling us what you'll be learning on the way. Yeah, that's right. And I can tell you already, it's a challenge. Um, it's a pretty constant battle against convenience laziness, apathy, and despair. But by holding myself accountable to you, the listeners, it's uh, going better than I could have imagined, honestly. And everything I'm learning and doing is going to be useful to any other city dweller, whether that's in Melbourne or anywhere in Australia or anywhere in the world. And I'll be looking for the answers in rural and regional Australia, Mark. I'm fascinated by the way communities here adapt to climate change in the country, wherever they live. These methods include water recycling, regenerative agriculture and renewable energy, and that's just to name three examples. Well, that honestly sounds like pretty sci-fi stuff, and I, I'm really excited to learn more about that. <laughs> Me too. So are we having guests on from just Australia, Rich? Well, we're focusing here, Mark, because we believe it's important to take care of our own backyard, of course, but we'll also be bringing in guests covering New Zealand and the South Pacific, and we'll be featuring interviews with different guests each week. 
They'll come from all walks of life and they'll include also other people who have stories that inspire us. I think there's there's real power in these stories, Rich. They can inspire pretty significant changes in our lives. Uh, if you hear the right story at the right time from the right person, that's really why this show, I think, got started because I, I heard a story from a, a close friend of mine at the right time that actually showed mm. me that I could take some action on these things and I could just stop talking about them and worrying about them. And what we found, I think both of us, Rich, is that it doesn't matter whether it's a city councilor you're speaking to or someone who just volunteers for an environmental group on the weekends while holding down a day job to support their family. Everyone who's working in this space towards this goal of a livable, sustainable planet is an inspiring person. And I cannot wait to share that inspiration and that that motivation with you. And um, I can't wait to get more of it myself. And it's funny, isn't it? It's like a connection to the past where stories inspired people and informed people. Yeah, that's right. So here's a sample of some of the conversations we've already had that have inspired both of us uh, to do what we're doing now and to keep us striving to do a lot more in the future. The money side, the career side, it ceased being the, the most important driver. Yeah, it wasn't satisfying anymore to be winning Winning. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, I'm not even going to say it. Um, wh- what caused that? Can you um, sort of quantify? Yeah, actually, it was really interesting. I got, I got hit by a car in 2011. When I was working in landscaping and you'd go to the tip to take your green waste and you would see truck after truck after truck mm-hmm. coming in off the morning suburban run. Yes. And tipping, tipping their loads into a subsurface hopper where there was a truck underneath, right. and you would see what was coming in there. And when you put that into context and say that's happening every day, hundreds and hundreds of trucks, and then you, I'd see those trucks driving off to landfill west of the Great Divide because we and don't have any safe. more space yes. and out to Orange and, you know, out to these other places. And, and then you see people pulling up with their trailers and throwing all of these valuable resources. And then I think the bit that struck me was when you just saw that compacted just go crush, crush, crush. Yeah. And same at council cleanups when you see all these perfectly good things on the street just get crushed by the compactor into this mishmash of mm-hmm. useless material That's right. that then goes to landfill. I, uh, I have a weird uh, background. I've worked in a number of different uh, sectors. I used to run nightclubs. Hmm. I ran my own mobile bar business for a little while. And then I ended up working in banking and finance, which makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, but, how did you that know, jump happen? Man of the people to man of the boardroom. I was just sort of the the, the financial crisis sort mm-hmm. of hit, and uh, a lot of a lot of nightclubs and venues were sort of tightening up and mm-hmm. perhaps even going under. Uh, and uh, so I needed to go and work in something safe. I wanted yep. to get married and start a family and stuff. Yes. So banking is about as safe. As it can be, although with the Royal Commission at the moment, that's there's some heads on blocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, and so I got out of banking uh, roughly around the time that I was elected to council. And and look, the path to that was not a professional path at all. That was mostly uh, based on always being interested in um, social justice and sustainability, mm-hmm. and then deciding that politics was a good outlet for that back in 2009 and it was Black Saturday so me and some friends were uh, swimming in the Yarra River out in Warrandyte uh, just trying to cool off it was the third day in a row of over 43 degrees 
And we knew about the fires all over Victoria, uh, and we knew that there was this fire in King Lake that was, is fairly close to Warrandyte, or just north of Warrandyte. But I don't think we realised how serious it was. Uh, we were just a bunch of 16-year-olds just having a mucking around in the river. And I still remember to this day uh, the wind changed, and within, like, a couple of minutes, the whole sky just transformed and turned black. And I've never seen anything like it since, and it was was pretty full on well yeah climate change is probably uh, for me like many people it's just a really central concern for me Mm -hmm. in my life my day-to-day life i worry about where we're going as a planet and i see the urgency that we need to respond to this crisis with i also see a lot of opportunity there that at the moment i don't think is being fully taken advantage of and for me they go hand in hand because the problem is so big that I think individual action can sometimes feel futile and Mm -hmm. that's a problem that I know a lot of us struggle with. I don't think that's the case. I think what you do at an individual level really matters Mm -hmm. but I also think that the problem is so big that we must have collective action in order to address it and that's where I think um, democratic structures really have to come in and we have to have that we have to recognize that groundswell for action and we have to act on it at policy level. So it's kind of like you can't have a climate change policy, say, about transport that then doesn't look at what the implications of that is around housing or about our urban infrastructure or our water infrastructure or uh, how we design work, you know, that impacts on environmental travel and all of that kind of stuff. So having a, a joined up policy around climate change that actually incorporates all parts of our built infrastructure, our economic infrastructure and our personal infrastructure is going to be incredibly important to make sure that when climate, the, the real wave of climate change disasters hit us, it's not going to just exacerbate existing inequalities. So this is the funny thing, because you said this kind of inspired you to start the podcast. Mm-hmm. So me even talking to you, I feel like I'm doing my Inspiration. bit to share a story that will help you do it through this way, through this medium, and or otherwise. Yeah, you're definitely going to do more than just the show, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how are you finding climate change? I'm talking about it. Mm. Could, you, could you do something a bit more then, Mark? Oh, so, well. So what I did was put the three websites back. It was like, no power station, no plastics to fuel, no incinerator. Straight, clear messages in the URL itself. Didn't even go .com.au to localise it to Australia because we knew that, well, that was a project in Australia it would be applicable in the global market. Mm -hmm. And we knew we were onto something when um, one of the internet archives was asking us for permission to be catalogued after we won the first fight against the power station. You're listening to Climactic, the people's voice on climate change. Appropriately, we've chosen to launch it on April 22nd, Earth Day. Starting in 1970, Earth Day has grown to involve millions of people worldwide and has been one of the drivers behind establishing the global environmental movement. Its efforts to grow environmental democracy have seen it now combined with 50,000 partners in over 195 countries. Yeah, and it's these grassroots organisations like those supported by Earth Day that we hope to talk to and learn from in the show. And we've already made contact with a number of people and organizations who observe and utilize Earth Day's ethos, some of whom you have already heard earlier. So if you're involved with an environmental group or want to be, or have a personal story about how you're dealing with the realities of climate change, please do get in touch. Yeah, if you've got an idea for the podcast, well, would like to be interviewed for the show, drop us a line at hello at 
Climactic.fm. Or on social media, our name is Climactic Show, and that's across Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, let's get stuck into the nitty-gritty now. I bet you, the listener, are asking yourself what the format of the show is, how often you can expect to see the podcast in your feed, and what style you can expect. Well, I hope they're saying what the format and not something else. As for the style, Rich, you and I are both big fans of storytelling podcasts like the NPR shows in the States, right? Absolutely, yeah, and also I love the ABC-style uh, storytelling podcast, the information podcast from here. And we're following their lead, Mark. We're telling narrative stories about the really big issues that can be overwhelming at times. Mm, and, and what's the format going to be like? Are we doing this beautiful show that comes out once a year? <laughs> it's weekly episodes, Mark. Oh, Usually God, sent- that sounds like so much work. <laughs> Usually centered around one in-depth interview with someone with an inspiring stories and great practical advice for coping with climate change and living more sustainably. And we hope you've enjoyed the trailer for Climactic. I'd like to thank you for listening and ask that you consider subscribing to our show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Just search for Climactic. Also, please check out our brand new site at climactic.fm. And don't forget to spread the word to your friends. We'd also like to thank some of our lovely team. To our producer, Caleb Fidicaro, check him out at Hipster Jazzbo on Twitter for some very weird and esoteric tweets. <laughs> and I'd like to thank designer Abby Hawkins. Check out her work at abigailhawkins.com. Uh, she's done some amazing work and you can hire her as well through there. Yes, do hire Abby. For our fantastic theme music, we want to thank composer and friend of the show greg grassi check him out at chambers on soundcloud that's c-h-a-m-b-r-e-s and our advisor gretchen miller for all her support and advice and what must be said to be quality control thanks gretchen we'll have links to all of these lovely people and our guests in the show notes thanks again for listening and happy earth day The Climactic Collective. This show is produced by Hear Media, a boutique audio agency in Narm, Melbourne. To learn more and get in touch, head to hearmedia.studio. That's H E R E media.studio.